Welcome to the first edition of the Private Property Podcast. This is the podcast where we'll be taking you through some of your property needs. And of course, we are currently going through a very unprecedented shutdown. Um, and a lot of us as landlords and tenants probably have a lot of questions that need answers. Now, I'll be your host throughout this um, episode and this podcast. And on today's show, I am joined by Gil Sperling, who is the CEO of Flow, as well as Zach Mieza, who is the founder of Bus Stop Properties. Gentlemen, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me. I mean, so a lot Amazing. of us are... A lot of us are obviously, whether you're a tenant or a landlord, have quite a lot of question marks around, you know, the current lockdown that is happening, whether you're potentially thinking you might not be able to make rent or you might not be able to make your own bond. I think, Gil, if you can just briefly take us through what the current ecosystem of tenant landlord is actually currently going through. And of course, we know that this isn't just happening in South Africa, but we're seeing it all across the world. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's actually uh, both a, a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. Um, you know, so so tenant who's earning uh, his salary. Um, a lot a lot of people have lost their jobs. Uh, potentially are at risk of losing jobs, or uh, you know, businesses have to even pay less, even if they do retain their job. And of course, the biggest expense that tenants have. Uh, is their rent generally about thirty percent of your income is goes to rent mm. and uh, so the first place that would would move the dial for a tenant in terms of his affordability uh, is to go to his landlord and say, "Can you give me a bit of reprieve uh, and help me out or at least delay my rent payment and try and come to some uh, payment arrangement and you know landlords too have um, uh, they have got costs, they've got their utilities and they've got their, their bond repayments and, and a, a lot of the big landlords also are quite geared uh, and indebted as a business model and uh, at a time like this when they cannot collect their income, they then need to go up to the banks and then you know the banks also try and provide some sort of reprieve. So uh, it really is through the, through the full supply chain and you know that's where these dynamics are coming, coming through. And Zach, you know, as a loan, as a landlord yourself, and, and I know that you're also in the student accommodation space, what are some of the ways that you can think we could potentially mitigate this? Because on the one hand, as a, as a landlord, you're obviously not going to be receiving rental income or potentially might not receive that rental income. And also on the other hand, your tenants, whether they're students or, you know, people who are working and perhaps even potentially uh, facing retrenchment might not be able to make rent. What, how do we as landlords and tenants approach this conversation about the lockdown and find ways to be <coughs> the halfway? So, so uh, as a landlord, I think you should have already be having this conversation with your tenant. Um, you should have, uh, whether it be via written or verbal, but you need to have that conversation because it's a reality that some people won't be able to pay. There's people who actually are going to be indebted. So you need to find a win-win situation. Um, what I've done with some of my tenants is I've passed on some of the savings that the government has passed on to us as landlords. So that's one way of easing the burden. And then I've gone as far as saying the chances of the, the banks being a little bit more lenient on the landlord versus the guys who are living hand to mouth um, is slightly higher. So I've decided that I can take a bit of the knock from my tenants and I've given them payment plans where we've reduced their monthly payments um, and where I have been able to absorb the cost, I've absorbed the cost. And, and these are conversations you need to have with, with your tenant. 
So you work out on a payment plan. If, the, if they say, listen, I can pay when I get back to work, but I can give you a guarantee of, for example, a thousand rand a month, then, then take that because that's what the person is willing to give. They're not just going to outright not pay you. So I think conversation with the tenants and it has to be an open conversation because we, we're all suffering at the moment. Um, it's better to have the conversation than not to have the conversation um, from both the landlord and the tenant side. You know, Zach, you mentioned that you're using some of the, um, the savings that government has passed on to landlords um, to essentially help your, your tenants. If you're a landlord and you're listening to this, or even a tenant, what are those savings that government has essentially, or relief that government has given to landlords? So we just, the reliefs that we've got from the Reserve Bank um, and just with the interest rate. So that relief that we've got, that I've got off my bond, uh, I've been able to pass some of that. I've been able to pass that to my tenants. That is just one aid uh, that's available. And, and you know, and so, so yeah. just to add on, sorry, yeah. Zama, uh, I think also with some of the initiatives that the banks are also doing, um, where they're giving payment reliefs um, upfront, those uh, opportunities should also be looked at. Um, obviously, consider the finances wisely, but they must, they must cons look at them for cash flow purposes uh, yeah. to keep landlords' businesses afloat. You know, so, Gail, one of the conversations that you know, have been coming up when it comes to the dilemma that we find ourselves in when it comes to the property market and where the different people in the ecosystem find themselves is just how sustainable it is. I mean, oftentimes people who are landlords, um, there's a perception that um, perhaps they earn quite a significant amount of money, whether it's by their own doing or it's just a poorly branded way you know, of looking at landlords and tenants who are also struggling. We're clearly seeing, I say, a divide in the ecosystem um, and perhaps even a need to slightly change the ecosystem. Post the coronavirus, are you anticipating a change in how we're currently, you know, looking at the tenant-landlord relationship or even the ecosystem of how we're doing property as, as it stands? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's one of the, the, the conversations that we've been having as a team, as the founders of Flow, is, what is yeah. how, how is the landscape going to change after this? Um, and we think that it's actually going to be a dramatic change and it's going to, uh, it's going to stick, right? And um, I actually think that it's going to have a leapfrog effect. Uh, leapfrog is obviously when, uh, you know, when people's behavior with the technology completely bypasses yeah. uh, current systems. So, for example, how most of, of consumers in Africa completely leapfrogs the desktop. Everyone's on mobile. So I think that there's going to be a complete acceleration of how tenants use digital platforms and PropTech is going to come into play way, way quicker. Uh, and landlords also are going to see that tenants are going to demand using these platforms. So, you know, as, as two or three examples is, um, I mean, because, because people are now aware about social distancing and direct contact, people are going to want to do virtual tours or going to want to do an application digitally and a lease digitally. And I re again, I think that's going to be accelerated. Um, as far as, you know, the, that stigma of, uh, and that strange relationship between the tenant and the landlord that you mentioned. Um, similarly, I think that platforms out there, and if I can use our self flow, um, really what we and others are trying to do is, is we're trying to, create that, that transparency and trust and safety in terms of a platform that's going to unlock value in the relationship between the tenant and the landlord. So like Zach says, actually, 
Um, the right thing that a landlord should be doing is have the conversation with the tenant, have that transparency and have that, share that, that mind space and that mindset that, that both are kind of in a strained period of time now. And that it, you know, as, as adoption is accelerated of these platforms, I, I do think and I hope that relationships between tenants and landlords are going to become more fruitful and, and more value is going to get unlocked. And, and Zach, you know, how do you as a landlord um, see the landscape potentially changing? And perhaps even how do you see yourself potentially doing things differently going forward after this pandemic? So definitely the landscape would change. Uh, I think one would have to look at property prices. Property prices, we, we're expecting those to drop. Um, people's affordability is going to be. And this will definitely affect people's returns. If you've calculated your returns on your investment, you're definitely going to be affected. Um, I think there's, there's a, a lot that needs to, to go into what the landlord and what the tenants are going to do um, together in terms of in the property space uh, to get out of this. Um, because I think it's going to be a difficult situation um, and what landlords can, 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 whatever landlords can do to, to assist, I think the landlord needs to, needs to do. And, and, and so, you know, I want us to, to talk a little bit about, you know, so, so some of the people and some of the conversations that I've seen are even around the use of um, whether the emergency fund as a landlord, I mean, oftentimes you say landlords ought to have an emergency fund that they can tap into, but some potentially don't have an emergency fund. Um, and perhaps another way you can mitigate the potential loss, certainly this month, is to use the deposit that your tenant would have given you um, at the beginning of their, their lease. How do we then, um, as perhaps landlords who don't have an emergency fund, try to manage um, giving, putting our own finances in jeopardy, especially if you don't have an emergency fund and the only thing you've probably got going for you is the, the deposit that you, that you still have right now? So uh, in that, I mean, at Busto Properties, we always teach uh, people how to firstly manage their cash flows. Um, yeah. I've been from uh, SAPN and the, the training academy, the property academy, in terms of how to manage my cash flows uh, from the start. So <clears throat> when you're going into an investment, one would expect someone to have set up that structure. Now, if we look at people who haven't set up that structure and they're wanting to use deposits, now there's, le there's legalities that are involved in terms of what the deposit is used for. Um, we, I'd have to look at, one would have to look at in terms of what sort of uh, um, uh, written arrangement that one can make because that deposit needs to be replenished after this this, um, this period has gone through. Um, I was actually on an interesting webinar uh, where with the managing director of TPA and SAPN, uh, the CEO of SAPN, where they actually have an agreement that landlords are using that has been legally vetted, whereby you can use the deposit uh, against the money that is in arrear. And you have then an arrangement that you can put together with your tenant such that that deposit can be replenished, that it works in both favors. Now, because we're also sitting in uncertain times, the deposit traditionally is a, a, a month's uh, rental. Now, how long would they then survive um, if they've only got a month's rental, which is why um, we're pushing that education is key when you set up your investments. Uh, you need to have that slush fund um, that needs to be available at all times and, and, and not to be tempted to use it when it grows if there's nothing happening. Yeah. Um, and, 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 
And I think, Gil, for you, what, 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 what sort of would be, I suppose, the advice or how would you see a landlord potentially navigating not having an emergency fund and they know at the end of the month their bond is going to be going off, the tenant hasn't you know, necessarily paid, and suppose we're not, we haven't come to an agreement yet when it comes to using the, um, the deposit, how can they best mitigate that? Yeah, I mean, on a, we've got an array of different landlords uh, that use our platform, and and I know mm-hmm. that you know each of them have a different way of running their business. Um, some have just recently heavily invested in new developments and have obviously uh, lent a lot of money from the bank in order to do that, and you know now they're sitting on on stock uh, that is still unlet. Uh, some is some obviously had their vacancies quite low, but obviously are going to suffer from uh, tenants not being able to pay their rent and and may or may not be geared up with with debt. So there's so many different situations, and uh, I guess like Zach said, uh, different businesses, and I'm talking about the the larger business, the larger landlords. They they uh, they've got different relationships with the banks and. I guess different ways of accessing cash in a time like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully they do have some leverage to use when it comes to funding this shortfall now, and that leverage may come in, in uh, through 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 their assets, through their balance sheet that they can use. Uh, and of course, I do really think that the banks are going to be quite lenient um, for the smaller landlords. Similarly, perhaps there is a way that they can be smart about how they arrange their assets because they are sitting on an asset, um, even if it's one investment and there are ways of leveraging it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, generally, it's just the general good behavior around managing business and managing cash. And then the last part that I can add in there is um, our experience with our platform. I mean, fundamentally, our platform is trying to kind of unlock value through partnerships with with different products and partners. Um, the better the tenant is as a profile or as a, as a tenant and the better the, the landlord is as well, um, kind of allows them to access better deals at these partners. And that's another way that they can subsidize the shortfall, right? And I think that's, that's the general, con, like the general sort of approach is, is continue to create value where possible, continue to contribute, continue to um, be um, um, open-minded and, and reasonable and negotiate and be transparent and discuss and, and that value can kind of be distributed in the time like this because everyone is taking the knock here, right? Every single mm-hmm. uh, person in the chain is taking a knock and there, there will be some way of kind of uh, transposing that and subsidizing it through. But it's it's not a it's it's a it's not a broad brush stroke answer, to, you know, to everyone. And Gil, are you are you just finding that? Up. Yes, Zach. So yes, I just wanted to throw in just what Gil was saying. The banks also really are in the in the in the business of lending money, so they don't actually want to go after people and start evicting and start those long process, processes because it's actually going to cost them a whole lot more money. This is true. If you also then have that conversation, because a lot of people actually think they can't go speak to the bank when the bank is actually very open, go to the bank and have a conversation and you'd be surprised. You could work out a payment plan within the bank, even in your personal capacity, um, which you can then transfer also to your tenants. Okay. So, 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 and I like that you just brought this on Zach, 
Um, so you're a first time homeowner, perhaps you've just bought another investment property, so you're renting out a flat, um, and you thought you, don't, you can't really approach the bank in your individual capacity. Um, you know that you're going to potentially not make um, your bond payment. How do you even approach that conversation? Or what do you actually say to the bank? Because I've also seen landlords saying they don't actually know what they're supposed to, to say. Is there, is there like certain ways they're supposed to navigate that particular conversation? Are they asking for their payment period to be increased? So if on your bond, let's say you were left with 230 months, are you asking them to essentially give you a payment holiday of three months so then you're going to have 233 months you know so how does it look like when you start having that conversation with a bank and perhaps what are some of the things you could potentially ask for um, from the bank when you're asking for that payment holiday and perhaps the ways to even structure that holiday so there's there's obviously a lot of different things that one can do um, yeah. I'd say if you into property investing you need to have a relationship with your bank um, and that is in the form of getting a private banker if you're not big enough start going into your local branch and actually conversing with people because you need to have a con you need to have that relationship that relationship will unlock the doors and unlock that that initial that initial conversation to say what am i going to ask for now if you don't know what you're going to ask for you need to look at your own finances first to say, listen, what is my affordability? So when you go to the bank, you go to the bank with, I can afford 3,000 Rand a month and I know that I'm supposed to be paying you 5,000 Rand a month. That is already just an opening that has finite figures versus going to the bank and saying, listen, I can't make payments. What can you guys do for me? Mm -hmm. um, it shows that you've also taken initiative and, and, and thought about exactly what you want from the bank. So you can ask for many different things. There's, there's no one, one answer one for everything. All, yeah. Yeah, there's no one size for all. Um, you can ask anything from the bank, um, depending on your relationship, and everything is based on your profile. Um, and you can ask for payment reductions to say, listen, I'd like to reduce it. I'll maybe extend my term. Or can you throw the, the payment, the, the, the relief onto my capital, which they'll probably love because they make more money in terms of the interest. But it gives you a cash flow relief that, and cash flow is king and you need that. So those are just two examples. The, the rest, you can go ask the bank uh, for anything, but do some of the research and work the numbers because it shows that it's something that comes from an educated place and not just from a person who's panicked and looking to not pay. And, you know, Gil, would you have any sort of tips, insights about how landlords can best approach the bank or the conversation that they can slowly start having um, with their bank in order to provide relief for their tenants? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's not much more to add than what Zach's saying, except that perhaps consider the bank not as a intimidating institution, but try approach it as, as, a, uh, as a person, as, as personable as possible, which is where the relationship is important. And, um, you know, I think that the, the solutions can be creative. They're not, again, they're not a broad brush stroke for everyone. Um, and one can kind of go through the particular situation and, and solve for it together with a bank because the bank is also has a need, right? So the bank is, is not going to, uh, it probably cannot afford to at this time to punish you for, 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 uh, or to prejudice you for, for non-payment or whatever it may be. They want you just as much as you want them to be able to, uh, to create that, uh, to, to afford to pay. And therefore the solution is going to come through conversation.
You know, so Zach, I actually want to talk a little bit about you know the student accommodation market because we've we oftentimes when we talk about um, rental properties, we speak about the high yields in student accommodation and how lucrative it is relative to sort of normal rental, um, and of course with all universities and high institutions of learning being closed, it also means that the majority of students or some of the students have gone back home um, in order to be in lockdown at home. How, how are you finding that market right now, especially considering that the tenant or the person who's staying in the property is a student? And of course, it's their parents who are paying. Um, perhaps some of the students have opted to be in lockdown in their, in their student accommodation place, so they haven't gone back home. Um, you know, what are some of the conversations that you're hearing with fellow landlords when it comes to that particular market and how they're trying to make sense of this? Because we could very well be in this lockdown for longer than 21 days and the students are going to stay. I mean, they essentially would be locked down in their current uh, place and their parents won't be able to pay. And so now you're not just dealing with the person who's working or losing work, but it's somebody's child. And then there's also the parents. So how are you finding that particular space at this moment? Oh, Zach, just unmute your mic there for us. There we go, Thanks. there you go. Um, yes, um, I'll start off just on, on the one side, on the, the emotional side of, of yeah. that we've got child um, and there's a parent now who's potentially lost a job <clears throat> and it is it is a very it's a very difficult place to be you have to approach it with sensitivity and be sensitive to the situation um, the same way I think um, your funder whoever the bank needs to be sensitive to the situation um, and that can only be achieved with an open conversation so how you you're gonna have to approach that I think best support the student through the situation um, because it is difficult to be in isolation when you and there's no varsity happening, there's no activity, everything is on lockdown and your family's on the other side of the country. So the best would be support your student, keep them um, uh, stimulated in any way, make sure your internet is up and make sure that the facilities, while they're there for the long time, because your, your, your facilities are going to be utilized even more now yeah. um, at home all the time. So make sure that as the landlord, you, you've also look at that fund in terms of your utilities are also going to go up. But I also then look at in terms of your students that are gone, because you've got two branches of students. You've got your private institute students, as well as your students that are supported by NEFSIS. So uh, I'm not sure in terms of what the ruling has been, because NEFSIS, you, you would have had a contract through the term um, for the payment of, of students. So I'm not sure if that's changed, um, what, what the talk of that is, because it is a, a contractual agreement from the government. Um, but from your private student perspective, you're now then obviously dealing with the, the person who is the surety on the, student, uh, on the lead. Um, I don't think landlords should, should uh, look at, in terms of financial securities, in terms of look at the student, look at the person who's then funding and try support from that side and use the various tools that we've talked about where, where you can provide relief. Um, so as I said, some of the people are hand-to-mouth workers, some of the people are people in terms of manufacturing that you need to be at, at your workplace to make money. So you have to be sensitive to that situation and see how you can support, I guess, through this. And, and Gil, I just want to bring you in. Um, I mean, when you look at the, I say the profile of the renters that you have um, that are using the platform, is your prediction that they'll 
perhaps be okay for this month? So, you know, suppose they, nobody has lost their jobs or the significant number of people who are currently on your platform um, have job security. Do you think they'll be able to weather a month, perhaps even two months um, of a lockdown and will be okay? Or like, what are some of the, I'll say, trends or the profile of the tenants that you currently have on your platform that you can tell us about that could perhaps also help us navigate as renters um, ways to try and, you know, make sense of where we find ourselves? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we've got just over 80,000 tenants on our platform now. Um, so you're getting to a point where it's quite representative of, of the market on average. Uh, the average rent that people pay on the platform is is about seven grand a month. Um, so so on average, it's the household is earning about twenty twenty five thousand. Uh, but of course, it varies. Very large portfolio of tenants uh, in Joburg CBD. Uh, the average rent is about four and a half grand. Uh, so you know the earnings is around twelve to fifteen thousand as a household. So um, and similarly, the the risk of no income in the next month or two is representative in in the different sectors that this type of individual may be working and is absolutely real. Um, mm. So what we're seeing is is probably a good representation of what is happening in the economy, a pretty fair one. And on the other side of it is we're trying to work with the landlords as much as we can, telling them that, you know, the advice that we've been kind of bringing up throughout this conversation already is that have the conversation, um, try and provide different optionality, try and understand and reason and, and sympathize with, with the tenant. At the same time, the landlord is also taking a knock. Um, and I also think that the landlord who does do it at this stage, the landlord who does provide some uh, a forum for conversation and some level of sympathy um, is the person who's actually going to come out strongest. You're kind of doubling down on that relationship at this stage. And imagine how, how you strengthen that relationship and how you can create retention with your landlord so you don't suffer from um, churn or from, from vacancies in future once the dust settles, and it will. Um, we know that, that that really now is the time for you to form that bond and to work through it with your tenant. You don't want to lose your tenant at this stage, um, and neither does the tenant want to move at this stage. There's just so much instability. So, I mean, to summarize that really, we're, we're seeing a representation of the market at large and we're working with everyone in the system, which is the basis of the platform to have that conversation, that relationship to double down on it now uh, and see everyone through it to hopefully a, a stronger place. And, and Zach, you know, after, after we hopefully, not even hopefully we have to, after, this corona you know virus this pandemic after we overcome the pandemic um and not just at a local level but you know all across the world because really you can't just solve it in south africa and not have it in other parts of the world you know what what kind of change would you like to see within the property space because we're already seeing um that this pandemic or this crisis has called on us to have a conversation as landlords amongst ourselves and tenants um and with our tenants as well how would you like the landscape to shift um, once this pandemic is over and maybe even potentially future proof, um, whether it's the business model that you have as a, as a landlord to future proof it against other crises, it may not necessarily be a pandemic, of course, but just crisis in general. Um, so what would sort of the, the best 
picture or future picture of the property landscape be like for you as a landlord? Um, obviously, one would like to see things going back to normal. Um, but I think with what's happening, there's going to be a lot of change in the market. Um, I, I must uh, say that I think the prop tech space is going to grow. Um, we're going to be looking at what tech doing to minimize in terms of costs um, such that that can be transferred to the landlord. Um, we're going to be looking at where one can use efficiencies actually just to to minimize on the cost because uh, we're not going to be in a space whereby this, this cost can be transferred through to the tenant. So we have to look at other means now of where can one make a return. Um, I think it's going to change the landscape quite a lot and because now we've also started these conversations between landlord and tenants um, I think those those relationships that needed to be built because a lot of trust has been broken between landlords and tenants those relationships being rebuilt um, could result in better tenants um, mm. and would result in better landlords as well so that will open up a sphere whereby we might start trusting uh, systems to work in in our favors and that's why I say the prop tech space is be a great space to now go into in terms of the future how people's behaviors would have changed in terms of uh, our social interactions um, one needs to see how that is actually going to change are, are people still going to be going to people's houses and to door-to-door uh, -to, -door to collect rentals or we're going to start looking at alternatives so there's, there's going to be a big shift within the property space and and i think i mean what what this virus has, has started showing us is that the fourth industrial revolution is here to be to be taken and we should be taking advantage of, of the situation while we're all at home you know it actually speaks to a part of what gil was saying earlier around how prop tech yes is going to rise we're probably going to see people doing uh more virtual tours i mean i've seen some of the other platforms that are now offering online um auctions I mean, even auctions on WhatsApp, so not even having to go into an auction house in order to, to um, participate in an auction. So already seeing creative ways that different players within the property ecosystem are dealing with this crisis. And those practices are very likely going to stick even post um, this particular crisis. Now, gentlemen, before I wrap up, are there any last words or tips that you'd like to give to our viewers, whether they are tenants or landlords, um, that can help them best navigate this particular um, crisis that we find ourselves in? Gil? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I want to reiterate your point now, Zama is, and Zach's, and I guess what I said earlier as well. Um, it, it is a good time to double down on automation and on, on technology um, because that's what provides efficiency. That's where you're going to find that relief and cost cutting as a landlord, especially. Um, the tenant naturally will want to use it because it's an experience that they're used to anyway. Tenants um, are using technology these days for every part of their life and prop tech is now catching up, especially accelerated now. And so the, the, for the landlord, adopt it, embrace it. You will find efficiencies. You will find ways to cut your costs and to be able to afford your way through it. And it also means that once it does settles, that the technology would have been adopted to a place where the experience is way better, the relationship is better, the retention of a tenant is better. Uh, really, there's value all around. And I think now is the time to start embracing technology. 
Thank you so much, Gil. Zach? Yes. Um, I want to start off just with saying from my side, I want to reiterate, have the conversation. Uh, I think the biggest part of what's happening now is that people shouldn't keep quiet and expect the other party to do something. Um, no one as a tenant or as a landlord must expect that the other person must understand because we all know what's happening uh, globally as well as in South Africa. We actually still need to have that conversation explicitly just to say, listen, this is where I'm sitting. So the biggest part is have the conversation between landlords as well as with tenants. And then from the landlord side, have the conversation with whoever your funder is, with your bank, um, whoever you need to repay, because you need to find relief in any possible manner um, and take advantage of, of the fact that it costs the bank less to go after you. So have a good conversation. Uh, have a good conversation because you could find it results in something that works out in your favor as an investor. And I think just in closing, I think we're sitting in, a, in an opportunity where it's a perfect time for landlords as well as tenants to actually now start learning about property. Um, because if they now learn about property, they all be in the same space and understand why certain things need to happen. Um, and there's a lot of various different aids where they learn about property. I mean, myself at Buster Properties, we learn from the Property Academy. Um, yourself, I mean, there's, there's a South African Property Investors Network. There's free online resources that are available with banks at ABSA um, um, and through NetBank. So there's lots of different avenues for them to learn. So I think now's a good time for them to learn about property such that one can be a better landlord and two, as a tenant, one can aspire to be a landlord uh, one day. Thank you so much, gentlemen. That's Zakele Mieza, who, uh, the founder of Bastard Properties, as well as Gil Sperling, who is the CEO of Flow. And of course, you've been watching the first episode of the Private Property Podcast. Uh, you can leave your comments below, any questions that you'll have, and we'll try to respond to them. And of course, for all your rental, sales, and buying, you can go to our website, privateproperty.co.za. And of course, you can share this comment, um, or share this video, rather. And, and as tenants, as landlords, we can try and find a solution um, in overcoming this particular pandemic or weathering the storm together. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, I've been your host, Zamantunga Kumalo, and that's it for today.